Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Second reading of Holy Scripture that comes to us from the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judea and Judah went to live in the country of Moab. He and his wife had two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Milan and Kilian. They were Ephronites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Oprah, and the name of the other was Ruth. When they had lived there for about ten years, both Milan and Kilian also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughter-in-laws, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, "'Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the deed have as you have dealt with the deed and with me the lord grant that you may find security each of you in the house of your husband then she kissed them and wept aloud but they said to her no we will return with you to your people but naomi said turn back my daughters why will you go with me do i still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you wait until they were grown? Would you refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. It has been far too bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Oprah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Baruch said, do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well, if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Perhaps it's fitting that today we should focus on the stories of Naomi, of Oprah, and Ruth. 
because it is, is a story that highlights the role of women and their acts of faith and their courage in a certainly male-dominated world. But secondly, I believe this story is important for us today because it highlights the pivotal moment we now find ourselves in as a people of faith and as a church. Within the story of these three women, we find ourselves and the paths that we might follow, that we might journey on, depending on where we find ourselves, depending on our current level of energy or our willingness to follow the Spirit of God. Will we try to pull away to a secluded place to mourn or to count our losses? Will we turn around and head back to what is familiar, to what is comforting to us? Or will we lean into the promises of God with a heart that is open and a heart that is willing to risk, to take a risk on the unknown? Let's take a look for a moment at Naomi. Because while we might imagine Ruth being the main character, I mean, this is called the book of Naomi and her story of tragedy, of grief, of loss, really sets the stage, as you heard. Having lost her husband and her two sons, Naomi just really wants to be left alone. She knows that Oprah and Ruth will live very complicated lives as widows in a culture, again, that also didn't really have much of a support for widows. So Naomi convinces them or tries to convince them to leave so that they're better off and she can mourn alone. Grief often causes us to pause, to realize what it is we lost or what we can lose. I'm sure that we can name some of those losses in our life that have changed the course of where it is we are going. Perhaps it was a job, an occupation that we loved. Perhaps it was an ability, something we were able to once do, but find we are no longer able to do it. Perhaps it's a person that we held close to our heart. In the life of the church, I would imagine as well that we can name losses that have shaped us, that have had an influence on the course we take. Perhaps it was members or friends who passed on or moved away. Perhaps it was a conflict that caused the vision so great that it caused the rift. Perhaps it was a change in worship or the pastor at one point took away a hymn that you really liked, and that made worship not as meaningful. <laughs> who knows? There's a whole bunch of things that can go on. Out of our loss and in the moments of grief, as hard as they can be, there is room for change. There's room for new possibilities. And yes, it's not to say that we put a happy-go-lucky spin on it, but it's to realize that amidst the hurt, there is an opening to see what lies ahead once the raging storm of grief and loss begin to settle down. This is what we can learn from Naomi. Now, looking at Oprah, I feel bad for Oprah, really. 
Because in our modern, contemporary Christian interpretation of this passage, I think Oprah really gets the short stick. Because she's often portrayed as being the one as giving up, or she's the one portrayed as being less faithful. She's the one who turns back, right? To go back to her home country to, as Naomi says, to be with her own people and to be with her own gods. I think we often portray Oprah in an unfair light. Because Oprah by no means was obligated to stay with Naomi. And in fact, Naomi, as we said or have established, Naomi would have preferred that they left, and Oprah did. Oprah is convinced by Naomi to go back to the home of her mother, to go back to the land of her own people, the land of her own gods. She, like Naomi, believes that this is the best course of action in the midst of grief. Grief and loss certainly have the potential to frame differently for us what potentials are out there or what potentials we don't see. For, Nio- for Oprah, at least, it was certainly going back to seek some type of normal life or to seek out what was familiar in the midst of her hurt. So could we really blame her for wanting to go back to seek some type of normal life by the grace of God? Because that really isn't such a far-fetched idea. Looking back on our own lives this past year, perhaps even further, perhaps we could identify in our own lives ways in which Oprah's story might be familiar to ours. Are the ways that we've listened to our pain or sense of loss and have changed our course to head back to something that felt familiar, something that provided us comfort when we needed comfort? Like before as well, I'm sure that we could think of ways that we have seen this played out in the life of the church as well. But let's be clear that there's nothing inherently wrong if we do. That's important. There's nothing inherently wrong if we do. Because it's important if we do acknowledge these things or are able to identify them, that we realize that they are ways in which we are acknowledging what is going on in our lives and in our spirit and being aware of how these things impact us. This is something we can learn from Oprah. So then we arrive at the character of Ruth. Inevitably, we arrive at Ruth, who probably gives Naomi the side eye and says, enough, enough. I've heard enough of your pleading, Naomi. I get it. I, too, have lost someone who was important to me. Enough. Ruth not only really tells Naomi to stop, that she's had enough, but she uses language 
that really carries a lot of weight. Covenantal language. Language that, if you were listening closely, might have sounded like things you would hear people say at a wedding ceremony. What does she say? That she'll be with Naomi, right? Her people will be, Naomi's people will be her people, her God will be also Ruth's God. Ruth is committing to something. She is expressing dedication and a willingness to go into an unknown future with Naomi. The seriousness of her dedication to Naomi can be found at the end of the reading where she even invokes this curse upon herself in the name of God that she asks God may bring a punishment upon her if anything other than death separates her from Naomi. It highlights how serious Ruth was. It also highlights the beauty in this dedication Ruth shows Naomi as it presents an understanding of what it means to journey along this path of life and faith that leads into the unknown, the unwritten narrative in the book God is continuing to write. Ruth dedicates herself to Naomi, trusting in a promise that goes beyond understanding and understanding the pain and loss as well. She is willing to still go with her so that together they may glimpse catch a glimpse of where God is leading them. Leaning hard into the promises of God, putting faith in where God is leading us, as we think about this passage, does not mean we ignore the loss, doesn't mean we ignore the pain, we try and shove it under the rug or in the attic. We can acknowledge it. And instead of subtracting, it adds a whole new perspective that may spur us forward in carrying on in what it is God is leading us to do beyond what is imaginable. These three stories of perspective or casting vision, as I said, is important for us this day as we are at a pivotal moment. Because around us, there are conversations taking places in churches and nonprofits alike. The nonprofit Presbyterian camp that I am a part of, we were having this conversation around the table, and we realized just how much of an impact the last year has had on nonprofits and churches. Some of the stories we share highlighted the fact that there are those who have had conversations that looked into the future, who are willing to lean into whatever unknown promises of God there were. And there were others who were sort of stuck. And the only question they were asking is, what can we do to survive? What can we do to just maintain what it is we know to keep the doors open to keep on going for one more year. Friends, that's not a vision. To just ask how we are to survive, to keep going for one more year is not a vision. It's a question that comes from a state of pure survival. 
As we enter into November, a season of thanksgiving and reflection, we will begin to ask what type of vision we want to cast for ourselves as a church, as a people who are called to be part of this life of faith. How will we move from the question of how do we keep the lights on to how can we make a deep and lasting impact with the gifts and talents we possess by leaning into the unknown? Perhaps that's acknowledging the losses we've experienced, not over the past year, but even beyond. Perhaps it's acknowledging the conflict or the ways in which we have struggled to live out as people of God. But we can do this work in the upcoming month and in the years to come with this type of framework that's laid out for us in the story of Naomi, Oprah, and Ruth, as it helps to articulate the ways we might go forward as the people God has called us to be. People who can name the losses we've experienced, to name them in a way that honors them, respects them, to also then consider and cast a vision for which direction we want to go, whether it is trying to maintain what is comfortable, what we know to go back, or to cast a vision where we're willing to take a risk. There's lots for us to consider in this upcoming month and this upcoming season. This journey, though, is one, as we know, that's not done just by ourselves. It's done in a community where there are connections that bind us together, that carry us through, as we are trying together to turn the page in the book of life so that we might catch a glimpse of what is around the corner if together we trust what it is God is calling us to do. That may be very anxiety-producing to some of you, to lean hard into the promise of the unknown. And let me just say, it doesn't always work out. But that doesn't mean we stop trying. Friends, I'm excited as we head into this next month and this next season about the ways we might consider leaning into that unknown promise, as Ruth did, as Naomi did as well, to consider what vision we will cast for ourselves, knowing that God certainly has so much more to do here, has so much potential to work through us. So may we contemplate our own story as we prepare ourselves to ask where it is God is leading us and what it is God has called us to do. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.